Your word tells us, God, that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Freedom to know you. Freedom to worship you in spirit and truth, God. Lord, we just ask that you would sit enthroned upon the praises of your people today. That everything we do and we talk about would, we would be in tune with you, Spirit. That we would be attentive to your word, O oh God. So Lord, speak to us, speak to our hearts, and you deserve all the glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're back in Matthew again. Matthew chapter 5. And remember the, the uh, context of the message that Jesus is sharing is that the crowd is great, it has lots of problems, and he retreats from the crowd, goes up the hill, and the disciples come to him, and Jesus instructs the disciples. He's getting them ready to go into the world. He's getting them ready to get them to the place where they can be most effective and, and they can shine the light brightly and they can present the gospel to the people. And so to do that, he's helping them to see the kind of characteristics they are to have. He's sharing with them the character they are to have. He gives them purpose. He gives them he casts vision in them by telling them they're salt and light. And then the last two or three sessions we've had together, we see Jesus correcting misunderstanding from the law to the way things are now with Christ. Last week we saw that the easy divorce that they perceive to be the way it is with Moses, Jesus corrects him and says there's no easy divorce that the reason why Moses allowed that to happen was because the people were stubborn. There was their heart. So we see here in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus correcting their idea about divorce. And he said, there's not easy divorce. And then we've looked and said about, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He wants them to be simple people, people of integrity, people of honesty, and and to and to be real with people and be people that can be counted on. That's going to highlight the testimony. That's going to get them ready for the crowd. And so today, Jesus addresses a misunderstanding. Now, this is what Jesus is saying here today. If someone is caught with a dime bag, they should not spend 20 years in prison. That's what Jesus is saying. He really did say that right there. We're going to figure that out. If someone embezzles $50,000, they should not have to pay a half a million back. Now, if they're suffering and damaged and those kind of things, perhaps you know, they might have to pay a little more than the 50000 but they should not have to endure that. Jesus says that if you murder someone, you should not be sentenced to 20 years in prison and then be able to get out in 15 years with good behavior, especially if someone gets caught with a dime bag and they're spending 20 years in prison. So that's what Jesus is saying here. And in verse 38, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth says that your sentence must fit the crime. The punishment must fit the crime. Now, let's look over in Exodus chapter 21 where this is brought 
into the mindset where it's established as a law. Exodus chapter 21, verse 23. He says here, But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. Now, it's talking about, look in verse 22, we see here that if when men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined as the woman's husband shall impose on him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. Okay, so all of chapter 21 here is for judges. It's about civil law. Okay, so it was misunderstood. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound is not about personal relationships. It's about civil law. And Jesus is saying, you guys got this all wrong. You're approaching an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth like you have the right to get even with people. You have the right to get revenge. You have the right to make matters right in your own opinion. He said, that's not the way it is. You can't go into the world with an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It'll explode. We can't have that. That's not the way it's to be. And so Jesus is here correcting that, that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is for civil matters. It's to help judges be able to sentence someone to, an, to a, a, a punishment that fits the crime. It is to help society. It is to be a restraint. It is to be a boundary. But it is to, it is to be put in place for judges to implement civil laws. That's not the way it's to be with us in personal matters, in personal relationships. So Jesus knows that if he's going to get these disciples to have the right heart and the right mind, if they are going to have the kind of love they need to have for these, this crowd, and if they are going to be able to really have a great testimony and a great witness and truly be able to glorify God, you can't take matters into your own hands. So they were raised believing that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And so he starts right there. You have heard that it was said in verse 38, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Ah, this is also a verse of scripture that has caused lots of problems in our world. Matter of fact, I think you're going to find after I give you a little explanation here that it's really causing lots of harm today. Now, what did Jesus mean when he says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. Now, first of all, is Jesus saying, do not resist evil? No, because we resist Satan. He, the scripture clearly tells us we resist the evil one. Should we, should we tolerate lawbreakers? No. 
Should we allow people to get by with breaking crimes and not experience any penalty or punishment for, for breaking the, the law? No, of course not. But it's how we go about it is what Jesus wants to get accomplished here. Do not resist the one who is evil has caused lots of problems in the world, in different parts of the world, and, and we're being introduced to it today. Let me give you an example. Tolstoy, in a great masterpiece, he believed that utopia would come when we got to the place in society when we got educated enough and we got enlightened enough that we did away with the police, we did away with the military, we did away with prosecuting crimes. That's what he believed. He believed that if society gets to the place where no police, no military, and you stop prosecuting criminals, you are going to experience a utopia in society. So perhaps he was one of the first that, and, and, and the, the commentary that I read about that subject this week believed that Tolstoy really struggled with these words of Jesus. He really studied Jesus and what Jesus had to say. And, and he believed that what Jesus means here that if we want a utopia, if we want the kind of world that Jesus has to give, we do not resist evil of any kind. And if we would just be willing to let evil run its course, then we would have for ourselves a utopia. I, I wonder if the roots of defund the police doesn't come from the misunderstanding of this scripture right here. Very well could be. And 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 you you hear a lot in politics today, you hear a lot of society, the uh, district attorney in Los Angeles is, is really taking the law and what they've been prosecuting, and I, I understand now if you steal less than $750 worth of stuff, you're not going to be prosecuted, right? If, you, if you, you've got to really commit a serious crime now in Los Angeles to order to be prosecuted. And, and that's exactly what Tolstoy, the Russian, by the way, believed and taught. And, and it's been taught in, in our country for a long time. And, and many people hold to this view that if we resist evil, then we're doing more harm than good. And we should not resist evil. Let evil run its course. And at the end, the result of that will be a utopia. I mean, look, we're not going to have as many people in prison if you don't prosecute them so things are better. That's the mindset. Well, that's just, that's bizarre. That's not what Jesus says here. He says that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth is for the civil courts. It's for the civil law, not personal law. And when he says here, do not resist the one who is evil, he, he's speaking about the role that he wants his people to have as they go out into the world. And he gives explanation for that here. Listen to what he says. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Ah, we don't like that one, do we? That's a struggle right there. Isn't it? Does that mean that if someone waylays me, and clocks me with a good right hand on my left cheek, I just say, thank you very kindly, give me one there too, right? Now, but what Jesus is talking about here is not being struck 
to cause bodily harm. But you notice here, he begins with the right cheek. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. The right hand has always been the hand of power. That's when Jesus sits at the right hand of God. Nothing against lefties. Be a lefty, be a good pitcher, those kind of things. But the right hand would be used to inflict the greatest insult you could, you could give to someone. And so you would face them. You take your right hand, and with the back of your hand, not your fist, not a karate chop, not using that bone right there so you can really penetrate their, their Adam's apple and knock them down, you know. But, but, but if you take the back of your hand, and if you struck someone on the right cheek like that, not for bodily harm, but... It's the worst possible insult that you can give someone in the day of Jesus. Even today in our culture, if you slap someone in the face, you are, you're really upset with them. You're mad at them. I mean, it, you know, you're not, you're not trying to necessarily hurt them, you know. You're just letting them know that, that, that you don't appreciate whatever it is that they're doing. But when Jesus says this, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, that's what he's speaking about. Tolerate the insult. That's what he's talking about. Take the insult. Don't get angry over the insult. And literally, that's what that means. Do not take it personally. Do not become angry when someone insults you. Now, if you're going to go into the world and make a difference, if you're going to share Jesus with people, if you're going to share hope with people, if you're going to share the gospel and, and be salt and light in the world, which he's already said you are salt and light, if you are really going to be someone that lives your life so that God is really glorified, you're going to be insulted. They're going to insult you. They're going to talk about you behind your back. They're going to insult you to your face. They're going to insult you to their friends. You will be insulted. And Jesus says, when someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the left cheek to them. He's saying, do not be personally moved, upset. Do not get angry. Do not even contemplate revenge when someone insults you. You see, the big picture is God's glory. The big picture is Jesus is Lord. The big picture is the gospel, the good news, an opportunity to share the good news with someone. The, the, the big picture is testimony, testimony. And if we are going to be insulted when we are insulted, right? If we're going to get mad and angry about it, we are not going to glorify God. We are not going to live in such a way that God really is clearly seen through our lives. And so that's what this Jesus is talking about here. And so, obviously, if someone comes after you with a baseball bat, by all means, defend yourself. You know, if someone strikes you for bodily harm, you know, you may not, you don't, you don't necessarily have to whip them, but you definitely have to defend yourself and your family. And all you're going to do is make them stop. And so if someone pops you, grab in a headlock and hold on to them and squeeze their neck and whisper to them, Jesus loves you, but you've got to quit hitting me. You've got to stop hitting me. I'm not going to allow you to hit me. I'm not insulted by your strike. It's okay, but you've got to, you've got to let it go. 
So if someone hits you on the right hand, if someone insults you, turn your other cheek to them. Don't, don't get bent out of shape when people insult you. Jesus says, if you love me and you follow me, you will be persecuted. Jesus says, you will be insulted. They're not going to love you. They're not going to care for you. They're not going to appreciate you. If you're living for Christ, man, they're going to loathe you. And you've got to be ready for it. So turn the other cheek. It is not an eye for an eye. It is not a tooth for a tooth. It is glorifying God. The next thing he says, And if someone would sue you and take your tunic, take your shirt, give him your cloak, your coat as well. And so what Jesus says here is, listen, guys, don't get bent out of shape when they sue you. They're going to sue you. Don't get bent out of shape when they come after your stuff. Jesus says they're going to come after your stuff. Don't allow the material to be more important to you than the spiritual. If they come after your shirt, give them your coat too. No issue. Nothing, no problem here. Matter of fact, Jesus says in another uh, scripture that we'll read down the road, he says, if you're sued, settle the matter quickly. Take care of it. Just be done with it. Don't allow it to be an issue. Don't allow the material to mean more to you than the opportunity for the spiritual. And so if you're in a situation and, and someone's after your stuff, Maybe it's your business. Maybe it's your, your vehicle. Maybe I don't know what it might be in your world, in your business, and that's going on, and there's that competition. Here's what you do. How can there be testimony from this? How can I share the good news with them over this? How can God be glorified in this situation? Because what Jesus is saying, we live for more than making money. We live for more than, than, than our rights being managed or appreciated. We're not pushovers. We're not doormats. You know, we're not milk toast. We're tough. We're strong. We're meek, as Jesus says. We are the meek people. Meek people have strength under control. And so we choose testimony over our stuff. We choose being able to share the good news with people over our stuff. We choose God being glorified rather than fighting over our stuff. And that's what Jesus prepares these disciples to. Verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Roman law, this is the way it was. If you're out working in the field, a Roman soldier could walk by, and, and, and the, the breastplate was about two foot wide, about four foot long, made out of uh, some heavy iron. It was heavy, probably 30, 40 pounds worth. Plus he had his breastplate, plus he had his helmet, plus he had his weapon, whatever it may be. I mean, just walking around for this Roman soldier was a difficult process. And if you're out there in the field and, and, and you're picking your tomatoes or whatever you're doing out there, digging up your spuds, and, and you're out there doing all that, if a Roman soldier comes by, legally he has a right for you to carry his armor one mile. That was the Roman law. What did Jesus say? If anyone force you to go one mile, go with him two miles. That'll show them, won't it? <laughs> That'll show them. Go with him two miles. Wait a minute here. I've been working all day out in this field. I mean, I'm hot. I'm thirsty. I'm tired. I'm hungry. Jesus says, always do more than what is required. 
for a great testimony, for the ability to witness to people, to glorify God, always be willing to do more. So the Christian man, when he does his business, he's always doing more than their contract said because he's doing what Jesus wants. He's going the extra mile. The Christian guy always works more than he clocks in for, always takes care of business, always doing more than is required. And if we are going to glorify God, we've got to do more than is expected. If we're going to have a testimony about how wonderful Jesus is, we've got to do more than is expected. I mean, that's what Jesus is laying out for us here. Go the extra mile. Do more than is expected. And then the next illustration he gives. Give to the one who begs from you. Give to the one who begs to you. Now, Jesus doesn't say here that we give exactly what they're begging for. Jesus doesn't say that. He says, give to the one who begs for you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So, we're not going to hold on to ourselves so strongly that we're not going to be willing to, to help someone else. He wants his disciples to go into that crowd and meet needs. He wants, he wants them to go in that crowd and see what's going on and see how they can help people in that crowd so that uh, he can, he, the people can bless them and help them. Now, don't refuse someone who begs. Give to the one who borrows from you. That's the mindset we need to have. However, Jesus wants us to be shrewd. He wants us, we're not a pushover, we're not a doormat. We're, we're not easy targets that's taken advantage of. You know why I believe that? It's because sometimes helping hurts. And we need to be wise to that. For instance, if, if someone's bar, uh, begging for money from me, if a panhandler comes up and they're begging money, I'll have to really be convinced that that's really the situation before I'll give them any cash. I, and you don't have to give them what they're asking for. So uh, if someone says, hey, brother, can, I, can, you, can you spare a dime? Can you spare a quarter? Now it's can you spare a dollar, you know, or $10 now. Uh, inflation and all, you know, the begging's gone up. I always ask, what do you want it for? Well, if they want that money for gas, and I'm reading the situation, and I always go, dear Lord, show me what to do here. Show me how to do it. Give me peace. I'm going to help them. I know I'm supposed to help them. The dollar don't mean much to me. It means a lot to this person to get what they need. If they say they need gas, I say, let's go get you some gas. Now, if they pull up in a Corvette, had that happened here at the church one time, a guy comes in with some fine boots on, some kind of snake, nice-looking boots, you know, and sharp-dressed man, and, and he starts to ask for money, and I just go, Sir, I, I just flat broke these days. Can't help you. It really was. I mean, that's truth. No one's here. I can't really help you with that. I'm sorry. We just can't help you. I just, I believed that he was conning me. And he cussed me up one side and down the other and left, told me how, what kind of Jesus man was I and all this kind of stuff. He'd done it before. He was easy with it. And he goes out and gets in a cotton pick and Corvette, you know, and drives away. I went, ah, thank you. Didn't give him any money for that Corvette. Didn't even ask me if I could ride in it or nothing, you know? 
So what do you want it for? You know, if, if, if they want it for food for their kids or stuff like that, go buy food. Go buy some beans and potatoes. I mean, you know, you don't have to give them what they ask for. Uh, also, the Scripture tells us that if someone doesn't work, they don't need to eat. You know? And so if someone begs for something from you, offer them a job. A lot of leaves are falling now. No one of us, no, nobody wants to rake leaves, right? Man, come on. I mean, I, I got me a digging tool now. Come on over and get my garden ready for the spring. Come on over. I'll pay you to do that. And if they refuse that, you know where you're at. They don't want to work, right? The word is very clear with that. I have no guilt with that. If they don't want to work, then I'm not going to give them money because I'm not helping, I'm hurting. And it's obvious that they haven't been broke yet to turn to the right spot where they need to be. All right? So ask yourself that question. Is my helping going to hurt? Now, another tidbit to this. As a believer, I believe that it's right that if we are going to err, we're going to make a mistake, we make a mistake on the benevolent side. Always. If, and... and when, when you're going to help people, you're going to make mistakes. When you help people, you're going to be taken advantage of. People, that's just the way people are. And, and you just got to reserve this, that, that God is going to somehow another use you being took. And you may not get to see it. Most of the time, you don't get to see it. But you just trust that it's in the Lord's hands, and it's going to be okay down the road. And so, help people. Help that beggar best you can. Don't hurt what's going on. Don't get in the way of what God's doing. Don't ease the pain if God is placed a pain there. And that takes lots of wisdom and takes lots of uh, prayer in order to fulfill that. So the big picture here today, the big picture is live like Jesus. Live like Jesus wants us to live. We live to bring Him glory. We live for a testimony. We live to share the gospel with people. How can we live that that's accomplished? And these four things He shares with us, this is how we can live. Not an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We don't get revenge. We don't avenge wrongs. That's not what we do. We, we are to be people that, that don't get bent out of shape over insults. We go the extra mile. If we're sued, we don't allow the material to be more important than the spiritual. And, and uh, we are going to be willing to help people. Turn to your scripture to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12 is, is I think, one of the best uh, how-to passages for what Jesus is talking about here. And I just want to quickly go through and make a couple uh, point out a couple things and, and let it soak in a little bit. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Romans, huh? I was wrong. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Thank you. That's the only thing I've been wrong about today, so not a bad deal. All right. Why are you sitting in the front? Romans chapter 12, verse 9. 
Let love be genuine. There you go. There you go. There's probably 10 years worth of effort right there. What do you got to do for your love to be genuine? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, but hold fast to what is good. Hate the sin, but love the sinner. That's what that scripture says. That's our, our line. It said, well, it says in the Bible, God hates sin. We ain't God. He has the ability to hate sin and love the sinner. We ain't got that. We're not good with that. Or hate, hate the sinner as well in places like in, in Psalms it talks about. That's not us. But we hold fast to what is good. Just like last week we talked about husbands, hold fast to your wives. I mean to tell you, we hold on to those who are sinners. That's, our, that's genuine love. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. I love that. Brotherly, 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 brotherly. You got it. <laughs> love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Honor means that they have great weight. What they say means a lot. You're going to outdo one another showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Fervent in spirit. I mean, it's just you're, you're going to do it. It's all over you. You're committed. You have intent, and, and you're going to serve God with all of your heart, and you mean business. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. That fits in what Jesus is talking about, doesn't it? Bless those who persecute you and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's what we say when people become part of our church here. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Harmony. Doesn't harmony sound good? I love it to hear harmony. I, I, the Eagles, you know, Seven Bridges Road. Isn't that beautiful? I love harmony. I, I can't sing harmony, but I love harmony. If, if someone, if I'm trying to sing harmony, I'll sing what they're singing if I can around that, probably in the sharp or the positive, whatever that works, but but harmony, live in harmony with another. And so when we live in harmony, we sound like the eagles singing Seven Bridges Road. It's a beautiful thing for God's people to live in harmony. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing when husbands and wives live in harmony with each other. They blend. They complement each other. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not think of yourselves more than you ought. Do not, do not think that you're all that, you know, that you're more important, that you're more special than anyone else. But do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Man, when you think you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're already wrong. You can't go in this world believing you're the most important thing or you're the, most, the smartest in the room. You're not going to have a servant heart. Repay no one evil for evil. There you go. That's Paul complimenting what Jesus had to say. Paul understood. The Hebrew of Hebrews, the Pharisee of all Pharisees, the guy that had all the credentials says, repay no one evil for evil. If, if there's repayment to take place, let the judges do that. Let the courts work. Let God work. 
You don't take matters in your own hands. We can't go into the world and have a witness and a testimony and glorify God if we are taking matters into our own hands. That's what Jesus says. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought to it. How do I do what is honorable in this situation? you got a complex problem. It's a difficult thing. You're not quite sure what decision to make. How can I be honorable in this situation? How can people's eyes be focused on God? If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Now, we understand that we're not going to be at peace with everyone, but if possible, you know, don't go out of your way to, to cause trouble. Then verse 19, listen to this. Let this soak in for a moment. If you, if you drifted off and I bored you to death, come on back right now. Verse 19, beloved, that's us. We're the beloved. I am beloved. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. There you go. Every time we avenge ourselves, we're wrong. Don't avenge yourselves. How are you going to handle that complex problem? Well, the first thing I know is I'm not going to avenge myself. What does it say? I'm not going to go into this meeting defensive. I'm not going to avenge myself. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. Oh, we have no business doing business in God's business. You see that? Do you see that when we're getting vengeance and we're taking matters in our own hands, that we have crossed the line, that we're over in God's territory, and if we're not careful, we're telling God that what God is doing is not any good and we're going to correct it because we're smarter than God? Isn't that what we see here? Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. Isn't God's wrath a bigger deal than your wrath? I mean, you think your wrath's a big deal? Nothing compared to God's wrath. I mean, take a step back. Relax some. Let God sick them. Let God deal with it. If you've been insulted, let God handle it. If you've been sued, let God handle it. If you've been caused to carry the load further than is expected and, and do more than required, let God handle it. Just go with it. You know, if you're out there and, and, and you find yourself, the, the, the beggar begs for stuff, let God handle it. He'll give you what you need. If you make a mistake and you give more than you should or you approach it wrong, you err, God's going to fix all that. Let God handle it. Do what you believe is God's will for you at the time and let God have it. Let him deal with it. He says, vengeance is mine. Don't be involved in my business. So what God is saying to us in our modern day way of speaking, he says, vengeance is my lane. Stay out of my lane. You'll be better off for it. And then he says, Vengeance mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Whoa, have you a nice little fire this morning. I've got a nice little blister to show it. See that blister right there? 
I just thought I'd reach over there and take that little piece of wood and put it where it needed to be and burn the stuff. And, and, and I thought, knowing I was going to talk about this this morning, oh, I don't want anyone to come grab me by the legs and, and, and to put me into that fire, head down in that fire. I don't want anyone to have a bunch of burning coals and come over there and put the, I mean, this really hurt. I mean, I was going, oh, you know, man, what do I, uh. but I mean, can you imagine burning coals on your head? I think we can enjoy that, right? If God chooses to do what he wants to do, if someone's insulted us, if he puts the burning coals on someone, that's his lane. I, I think we get to enjoy that. But we don't put the burning coals on their head. We give them food. We give them water. We meet their needs. We're nice to them. And that's like doing so. You will heap burning coals on their head. Now, that's better. That's better than getting even. Think about that. That's better than getting even. Let God take care of it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. There you go. Now, if you're going to not be overcome by evil, you're going to do the right thing, and you're not going to overcome evil, you're going to overcome with evil good, you've got to trust God. You've got to trust God for the hard matters, the hard issues, the difficult times. You just can't take matters in your own hands. Take a back seat, pray, ask God to do what he wants to do, but let God handle things in your life. That's our role. It's the judge's role to put the sentence on people for their criminal activity. That's not our role. We don't get revenge. We don't take revenge. Let God handle it. Susan and Amy and, and myself had an interesting experience this week about just letting God handle it. So my daughter is in Uganda today. It was a miracle to get her there. And so we go to the uh, airport Wednesday night to put her on the plane, and she gets up the deal and says, where's your visa? And she says, well, my visa hadn't come in yet, but I guess I'll get it at the airport. I've gone to Uganda tw twice. You get the visa at the airport. If you don't have the visa in yet, you go to the airport, give them your $50, and they let you in your yellow fever shot, and you go right on in there. No problem. And so we get there. I mean, she's been over there many, many times. I mean, she knows the rules. Well, they won't let her on the plane because she did not have a copy of her visa. And we're going, holy cow, here we go again. So they're not letting us on the plane. So we're not getting on the plane. So we go back. She has to get another COVID shot. She has to get another flight ticket. She, and she gets on the phone, and she talks with people. There's people that she knows that knows people that work in that department. And, and they call and say, uh, yes, your visa has been approved. We don't know why you hadn't gotten it, but we're going to call the airlines and tell them that it's approved. We say, okay, there we go. So Friday night, we go right on back to that airport. Beautiful driving over there Friday night. There's no traffic whatsoever. It's a beautiful little deal. We get up there, and I go, you reckon this is going to work? And I'm standing in line with her. She says, well, I don't know. We prayed about it. Susan Pentecostally brought down the heavens. It was great. We were praying that. That woman can pray. I was going, hallelujah, baby. We're going to walk right through there. We're going to walk on water in that airport. I, I, it was great. I was teasing her this morning, but not really teasing her. I was enjoying it. But uh, hold tight to your wife. Be nice to your wife. So, 
There we go. All right. Going to be a cold lunch today. So, uh, no. so we're waiting, and we get up to the, to the lady at the deal, and uh, Amy shows the passport. We're going into every, you know, your own information. Where's your COVID test? Here's my COVID test. And, and she says, you got your visa? And, and I go, oh, here we go. And uh, Amy says, no, but uh, it's been approved. And I was told today at, in Kampala that they were going to call the airlines and let you know. And she says, well, get out of line now, and we'll check that out. And so I'm standing over there going, here we go again. Another trip over here for no good. And uh, I'm just, you know, thinking about it and stuff. And, and uh, the lady comes back and says, can you show me what they look like? Maybe what's here, I can't find it. I can't see it. But I'm looking at different things, and I just can't see anything from Uganda. And so Amy gets on her phone and looks for her latest visa. And she finds that visa, and she's looking at it. I think she showed it to Susan first, and then she showed it to me. And said, look what it says, Dad. And it says, Uganda two-month visa is all legal type documents two-month visa two months so you have this visa you can stay there 60 days and you go down it's got her information passport information and it says date of expiration 2027 there you go she said should i show him that i said i only as the last resort i think you can go to jail for that i'm not sure i ain't ready to go to jail tonight and so you know, they don't have a call from Uganda. They don't have it down. And so she walks back over there and she says, well, I've got this. It clearly says on that visa, two-month visa, expiration date 2027. She says, well, you got an expiration date 2027. You're good. <laughs> In we go. Hallelujah. See you later, Amy. I'm going to go home with the armadillo. Sometimes the Lord provides a two-month visa that expires in 2027. Let it happen. Father, may your will be done. Help us, Lord, to live for you and trust you, Lord, with the personal conflicts and struggles that we have. Lord, I pray that each one of us will seek to glorify you clearly, that we'd seek, Father, to share wonderful testimony of your power, and, Lord, that we would work and settle and submit and surrender to be able to share the good news with people. Help us, Lord, to love them all. In Jesus' name, amen.